Telstra's recent agency roster shakeup results in redundancies at Chef, as revealed by Mumbrella this week. Also on this episode, Mumbrella's events are back in 2024 with Mumbrella 360 and CompsCon, and inside SEA's annual general meeting. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast, a discussion of everything under Australia's media and marketing umbrella. I'm your host and editor of Mumbrella, Neil Griffiths, and as always, I'm joined by Adam Lang, who we can now officially address as the publisher of Mumbrella. Adam, congratulations. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure to be here. And that's the very first time you've heard that uh, this week, so uh, I'll be the first to say congratulations. I'll claim that. <laughs> I'm also joined today by our Mumbrella journalist, Lauren McNamara. Lauren, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And... Congrats, Adam. Thank Very you, happy Laura, to have Adam. you with us. Me you, too. You weren't first with it, though, were you? So oh. don't worry about that. This is actually <laughs> the first time you and I are doing a podcast together, Lauren. So this is it great. It is. It's exciting. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, before we get into the show, we aren't even at the end of 2023 yet, but 2024 is shaping up to be a big one for Mumbrella with Mumbrella 360 set to go ahead from the 21st to 23rd of May at Dalton House in Sydney. And it's going to be headlined by the former Nike chief marketing officer and author of Emotion by Design, Mr. Greg Hoffman. I know many people are excited about this, one of which being you, Adam. Yeah, very much so, Neil. So I've been a panellist at Mumbrella 360 before. I really like the event. And I've been a long-time fan of the Mumbrella brand. So seeing Mumbrella 360 be announced, big ticks from me, but also then seeing Greg Hoffman. Like it's not often you get one of the world's biggest brands, a long-standing CMO who's been the custodian of that brand for some time and written a book, you know, Emotion by Design. I think there's so much to love about this. Um, to capture where we are right now, cost of living pressure, higher interest rates, high fuel prices, how brands navigate those challenges to connect with audiences in Australia, to get his perspective, Greg Hoffman's perspective, emotion by design and on how to brand in this environment, I think it'll be fascinating. And all of that under the umbrella of DARE. You know, it's such a good title. Like it, it is not saying, hey, these circumstances don't exist. Absolutely they do. There are challenges out there for every brand and business. But to say, no, the answer isn't to be defensive and recoil from us, go, no, have a go. Be daring. And really, I think that's what we're going to see in this conference. So I'm excited for Mumbrella 360 and to see Greg Hoffman perform. Before we get to the 21st of May, uh, ComsCon and Awards is back on 27th of March at the Four Seasons Hotel in Sydney. And that's going to be headed up by Dentsu Creative's Chief PR Officer, Tim Powell, who is going to be giving the panel, if generative AI is changing journalism, how does that change PR? Now, first of all, Lauren, this means more work for you, unfortunately, because the ComsCon newsletter will be back fortnightly in the new year, and that's going to be headed up by you. Yes, I'm very excited to bring that back. Um, so make sure you subscribe to that if you haven't already. But yeah, having having Tim Powell will be fantastic. You know, he has over 30 years experience across journalism, PR, politics, um, and most recently at Dentsu Creative, uh, which, you know, their PR offering launched earlier this year. So it'll be really, really fascinating to see what he has to say. And Adam, the panel I know is of interest to you as well. Yeah, so look, to back that up, and AI is pervasive, right? It's, it's entering into all conversations and how it can help us do our jobs. Really, who knows at this point in time? It's still that that formative stage of using the tool. So I think Tim Powell's presentation will be terrific and provocative. Uh, also to back that up, we know that we've been blessed with crises at the moment. If you look at Qantas, if you look at back to the, the Medibank, data breach, Optus, yeah, we've had lots of different crises. I myself have lived through some of them and I know what it feels like on the inside of those things. And so... 
let's just not say crisis PR, but if you were to coyly phrase them as delicate situations or special circumstances or something like that, we've got a couple of the masters of craft of communications who are veterans of helping people through some of the worst of their crises. And so to get that perspective on, hey, not just put yourself in this position of reading and understanding about what a crisis might look like from the outside, the salacious detail, the problems, what went wrong, but put yourself on the inside and then how do you handle it? And so we'll have a great panel discussion, which we'll announce shortly. I'm really excited about both of those elements, Tim Powell, AI, but also the crisis PR and how to help handle those special situations. Well, for tickets to Mumbrella 360, check out mumbrella.com.au forward slash Mumbrella 360. And for ComsCon, head to mumbrella.com.au forward slash ComsCon. Let's get into the big story that broke this week. Uh, And this came actually from Lauren. So thanks for coming on the show and thanks for breaking this story. This is an exclusive. CHEP Network Agency uh, has made up to 40 staff redundant following the loss of its Telstra account, which was reported only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Over to you, Lauren. Tell us how this came about. Yeah, so mid-October, a couple of weeks ago, Telstra announced this big shakeup of its agency roster. Uh, so it's dropped the Monkees, Chep Network and DDB. And instead, it's gone for this bespoke model, uh, this agency called Plus Six One, which is a collaboration of Telstra's existing media agency, uh, OMD, and creatives, Bear Meets Eagle on Fire and TBWA. Now, it's interesting because it seems that Telstra really likes Bear Meets Eagle on Fire, but has brought in TBWA to sort of give it the backing that it needs because, you know, it's such a small agency, so it, it really needs that that extra help. And so, yeah, yesterday we we broke the news that CHEP Network had to unfortunately make uh, up to 40 people redundant because of this loss because uh, it is, it well, it was one of their biggest clients. It was their second biggest client uh, following uh, Samsung. And yeah, the redundancies were made, you know, across the business, um, across all its offerings, you know, account management, tech, strategy, customer experience, uh, and culturally as well, it it seems like it's been a pretty big hit because CHEP Network, along with DDB, worked on Telstra for, you know, over a decade. Mm. You can check out the story on mumbrella.com.au, but as you noted in the story, Lauren, this is CHEP's third big client loss this year. Should we be surprised by these redundancies? Look, not really. Um, unfortunately, it, it sucks to say that, but, um, you know, in April, IKEA handed its creative to host Havas and I think it was September, uh, Chep lost eBay, which went to Special Australia. And, you know, these these big brands are spending a lot of money on their advertising. You know, Telstra spent $248 million in the 2022 financial year. So losing these clients, losing these big accounts does unfortunately mean you'll you'll have to cut some jobs. Adam, what was your reaction to the news? So accounts change, right? We know that. It's a factor of our industry. And you know that for every win where people are very excited, they've worked hard to pitch and win that business and there'll be relief that they won and then, okay, now we've got to execute, hire people, make sure that the roles and responsibilities are all covered. That's exciting. But on the other side of the equation is those that have lost the business. And so you really feel for those people. And in many cases, roles can't be redeployed into other areas of the business. You know, there's just not enough uh, to keep those roles employed. And with an account the size of Telstra, as you said, Lauren, those are big numbers. And so you know that there's lots of people in there housed under a company that can't be any longer. I think, um, to Chep's credit, uh, I understand they still manage 
to deploy some of those roles elsewhere in the business, Lauren? Is that right? Yeah, it was about 60%. So I think that is that is good news of some comfort, but not of comfort to those people who had to leave the business and now look elsewhere for employment. That's distressing. It's distressing for them. It's distressing for people that are left behind who are left to still operate the company but without their, those colleagues. So you, you know this happens and I hope from the CHEP side, and I expect that this will be the case, that they understand the rules of engagement too, right? They know they win. They know that they can lose. Some clients grow, some don't. And so that they have to adapt their business model to cope with this and to still thrive. And I hope they can. I know they've lost these three accounts that you mentioned, Lauren, but I hope that they can rebuild and create a strategy and win some clients uh, to get back on a roll again. Just to your point, Adam, you know, it's it's not the first time that we've seen this happen and it certainly won't be the last. This year alone, we've seen a few different agencies have to make redundancies because of client losses. Um, it's Friday, had to make some people redundant when they lost the Domino's account. When uh, Specsavers parted ways with AJF Partnership, they had to do this whole restructure. So, I mean, as, as terrible as it is that it's happened, it, it certainly won't be the last time we see something like this. No, and you just hope that we all understand the rules of engagement, right? And we can keep adapting and learning and hopefully growing. We should mention as well, uh, the monkeys declined to comment when we contacted them for comment. Um, but we did get a statement from DDB CEO, Cheryl Marjoram, who said, quote, DDB has enjoyed 16 years of partnership with Telstra and we wish them the very best. The scale of account held by DDB over the last few years means minimal impact we felt in our business. Going off what you guys just said there, trying to read between the lines, do you think there's more redundancies to come with these agencies? Oh, I definitely think more will come. Um, I think at the Monkeys, they're a bit safer because they do have such large clients. You know, they've got Tab, Crown Resorts, uh, Meat and Livestock Australia. I think they're better equipped to manage this loss. But in saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see some from them in the near future. Same as DDB. Um, as, as Cheryl said, their involvement the past few years have has been quite minimal compared to, you know, a decade ago where they were running pretty much every creative campaign for Telstra. So, yeah, I, I mean, if we see some, it won't be a shock, but um, obviously it would be still, still devastating. Mm. Is there any right or one way to pivot when an agency can lose a client the size of Telstra scale, Adam? Probably not, Neil. Uh, I think it's... It's really about what do you need to reset, to grow and scale. So the, the two sort of big things that I'm really interested to watch here is Telstra, how this new team creates work, books that work and connects with its customers because there's so many business to business and business to consumer elements of what they do. They're enormous. Uh, and so we've seen Brent Smart do terrific work, um, NRMA. We've seen Telstra campaigns since he's been there. He hasn't been there that long and he's already created some great work as well as a new environment, an operating environment for him and the brand, right? So watching that, I'll be very interested, or I am very interested to see how that plays out and what great creative work they come up with and how it works. The second thing around it is, you know, amongst this changing economic environment that we know about, there's always winners, there's always people who are who are kind of face challenges and there's always people kind of in the middle and seeing the fabric of different operators, how brands continue to connect. Do they bring in-house? Do they engage with the same agency? Do they engage with a different agency? Growing businesses, and we've seen plenty of them 
Uh, look at where Zero has come from in the last 10 years, you know, tech plays and so on, where these different brands keep coming from and how they want to market, how they want to be represented, what formats are used from, you know, paid, owned and earned media. There's so many moving parts. So if you even if you describe that, what Telstra are going to do, what changes there are in the brand sense and marketing budget sense, you go, this, there probably can't be any one way of reacting. It has to be, well, where to from here? And that's where you look to great leadership and great team composition, bringing good people together, go, okay, how are we going to handle this? What do we think is going to happen? I think it is a, a really good challenge and in, I hope, the most positive way, that's part of what Mumbrella does, like bring the great work to light and inspire people, hopefully, to see not just what news is going on, what's happening elsewhere, but how they might adapt to situations too. Yeah, well, stay tuned to mumbrella.com.au for more updates on the story. Great work again, Lauren, and uh, we'll talk in a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast with myself, Neil Griffiths, joined by Adam Lang and Lauren McNamara. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you, Neil. Uh, We spoke about the biggest story of the week, which was Chep, uh, closely followed by this story, which has been ongoing for regular listeners of the Mumbrella Cast. We've covered this in the last few weeks. That, of course, is the ARN proposed takeover bid of SEA. Um, there's been an update in that SEA had an annual general meeting last week. There's been a lot of moving parts in there. So uh, in the last week, Nick Bolton from Keyridge Capital, he uh, has claimed that ARN's recent purchase of SEA shares were a breach of the Corporations Act. Uh, Of course, Anthony Catalano is rumoured to be in the mix here somewhere. And of course, SEA had their AGM on Friday where this bid was a hot topic. Let's start with the fact that Chair Rob Murray confirmed SEA is now in discussion with the board and advisors about this proposal. Uh, He didn't really want to, I guess, comment or confirm that this in-principle agreement would happen by December. He was pretty clear that that is unlikely. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts really on the last week of this and the AGM? Hasn't it been spectacular? (laughs) I mean, we we attended the AGM online, Neil, and... Jeez, it got feisty. It was it was pretty saucy in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some investors and people representing investors that were really asking very pointed questions about the loss of the share price over the last ten years, but also in recent years, they were asking whether the board had the right experience to run the company, whether there was too many people on the board, and that some of them should just resign and cost the company less money to administer the business. And then there were calls also to uh, ask the whole board to resign. So it, it got pretty spectacular. Uh, in amongst that, of course, you know, the, you have the, the theme of the annual report, the trading update, where are things going? Two really important factors, and I, and I know you, we'll get onto one in a minute around costs, Neil, but the most interesting to shareholders and that meeting's conversations was the proposed bid by ARN and Anchorage Capital Partners to buy SCA, mix it all up, break it apart, create a new ARN and a new SCA. And so there was a lot of interest in that. And as you said, the chair did confirm that discussions are underway. We note in recent times that SCA was advised by Grant Samuel, the business, and they've increased that uh, advice by bringing on UBS to help advise them through this. They really talked about too that it was a surprise to them. I mean, they announced it on the beginning that it was an unexpected and complicated deal. And so we knew that they didn't expect it. 
you know, that ARN had bought some four months ago 14.8% of the company, but that they didn't expect anything to come of that, and but it did. And boy, how it came in the end. So the the response was pretty muted. You know, shareholders want to know, is this in the best interest of shareholders to proceed with this transaction? And they don't know yet. They said there's a lot to get through, a lot of complicating parts. They're taking advice. A timeline was put out which, you know, suggested December and Rob Murray, the chair, said he thought that was very optimistic, highly optimistic was his phrase. And so you look at all the moving parts. You know that there's two parties engaging on this and that shareholders or SCA have to be convinced and it has to be recommended by the board that it's in the best interest of shareholders subject to another offer. Underpinning all of that is, okay, what is the value of all the moving parts? How are we going to make this happen? But also there's regulators, Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, Foreign Investment Review Board, Australian Securities and Investments Commission. You know, there's certain regulatory hurdles that our law requires that it passes, right? So there's a lot of moving parts, but you just got the feeling overall the board wasn't pushing fast for this to conclude, that they've got a lot to get through to form their view on a recommendation and they're not yet ready to do it and they don't think it'll get done by December. And you mentioned their costs. SEA CEO John Kelly uh, confirmed that they're going to be reducing costs by $15 million, $10 million of which will be coming out in the next financial year, which is by June 30, 2024. Um, he plans to get rid of this $10 million between January and July, or June, sorry, June 30. Uh, how? <laughs> <laughs> this is not an easy question to answer from the outside, and it's, I don't believe it's an easy question to answer from the inside because – you want to preserve the best parts of your business, like how well you're engaging with your customers, right? What sort of audiences are you getting? You don't want to lose any of them by cutting shows, right? Cutting great shows. So you've got to keep that customer service going with your audience and hopefully growing. You've got to keep your advertising clients happy. You know, you want to retain great customers through great salespeople, engaging them on the right solutions for their campaigns. And you've got to keep operating successfully. You need a red hot team, to service all of those requirements from the audience to clients to staff. You know, they're all customers of this business, SCA. And so when you're looking to cut into those costs, 10 million out, that's significant in six months, very significant, and then 15 million over the longer term. So this is highly skilled work. And, you know, I hope they, I wish them the best for that because in the end, of course, you look at everything from premises, rent, electricity costs, broadcast costs, all the software and systems you use, you look at everything. But you have to look at roles too because it's a human business and that's what many of these roles are employed to do. And so you have to look at uh, the roles you have as well. So this is furious work, really highly strategic and intelligent work. I wish them the best for it because it's difficult. These uh, cost cuts are coming at a time when this giant rumour is hovering above SEA and shareholders must have read the Mumbrella site because a few weeks ago we did report you know, the, there's been rumours that Colin Jack Yo are potentially going to defect from KISS back to Today FM, which they left in 2013. And that question was asked at, at the AGM, was this a ploy? Was this ever on the table considering the ARN bid? Before we get into that, Lauren, I don't know about you, because, you know, Adam, we're, we're youngins, all right? You're an you're a, a industry veteran. Young at heart. Where, what, what's, what's a good slang? You're younger than me. What's a good, what are we? Youngins feels old. Um, Do you yeah. call us boomers, Lauren? No. Not, not to our face. Male Karens, <laughs> I believe we call them. 
No, not at all. Well, I was. Well, my point was, Kyle and Jack Yo, like for me back in my early 20s, teens, like they were radio. Mm. Did you have a similar experience? Like where you associated Kyle and Jack Yo with FM? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm 22. I grew up with them on radio. To be quite frank, I don't listen to them too much now. Mm-hmm. But growing up, you know, that was the station that my mum put on the radio and taking me to school. And, and yeah, I, I don't associate them with anything else. Mm. That's so cool. To be fair, though, Kyle was on Australian Idol. So yeah. I do. Please don't tell me that's how you know Kyle Sanderlands. Well, it's one of the ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason that I bring this up is because, you know, the rumours that they're coming back to SEA won't go away despite the fact this bid's there, despite the fact that SEA have now confirmed the cost cuts are happening. Uh, Rob, Money, Rob Murray sorry, refused to comment on the speculation. He said that's for ARN to comment on. Adam, I'm still confused and I'm still <laughs> not sure. Do you think that this is a ploy by SEA? Is the bid to get Carl and Jackio back real? I believe it is. You know, I, I sit from the outside going, well, who wouldn't want them? If you're running a music format radio station in Sydney, arguably nationally, arguably regionally as well, then you would say, well, you have to consider them. They have proven incredibly an ability to rate at the top in the toughest market with the most stations for nearly 20 years. Mm. Since they've been on the Hot 30 and then first to breakfast on Today FM and then moved across to KISS and the whole brand of KISS was launched with them, it's an incredible achievement to sustain that high performance over so long. And I know it, it is both of them. It's Kyle and Jackie O, but it's also the team that they work with. You know, that team works so hard. They really work hard every day. And they virtually live radio. They think about the show all the time. You know, what clever ideas can we come up with? What's a new twist? So they keep pushing. And I don't think they'll ever stop that. So if I was sitting at SCA or another competitor, I'd want to get them. And if I was sitting in at ARN, I'd want to keep them. Mm. You know, it, I think the thing I learned over, over a long time working in music, television, radio, talent is rare and precious. And so when you have it, if you've managed to work out a great working relationship with that person or that team, be it a band, television presenters, radio, on-air, off-air, keep them. You know, it does not come along every day. And so I would be really serious about having a go. Mm. If we are if we are adamant that this was a real bid by SEA, given the cost-cutting, given the fact that the AR is looking to take it over, is this essentially a Hail Mary play by SEA? Is it get Carl and Jackie O or we're done? Well, I think that the the bidding for Carl and Jackie O was reported well before the ARN announcement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the takeover proposal. June or July, I think it was, the initial yeah. announcement. Yeah, so you'd have to say that those two things are separate. Now, if it happened still... That would throw a question mark over the whole merger idea. Mm. It wouldn't stop it because the logic would still be prevailing. But it does cause you pause, right, to think, oh, okay, do we have to reconsider things? So I think that that would happen. But I don't think it was a ploy. I think they're unrelated. And this, of course, is conjecture. I'm not in these conversations. I can just consider having been in those positions what is logical to have happened? It's very, very fast moving. I'm sure next week we'll have a bunch more updates for you. Keep an eye on mumbrella.com.au for more details as they come. 
that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Adam and Lauren, for, for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Neil. This is the Mumbrella Cast. Remember to hit follow on the podcast and head along to mumbrella.com.au for more info on everything we've talked about today. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths. Thanks so much for your company and we'll see you next time. Bye.